This is Thoughts on the Table by DisgracesOnTheMenu.com. Hello and welcome back to Thoughts on the Table, the audio blog on food and food culture. Paolo here again, your host, and today with me, a returning guest, Raffaella De Amicis. Hi, Raffaella. Hello, thank you for having me again. Raffaella and I go way back. Uh, I think our other episode was in 2014. I went to look it up, Raffaella. I think so. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. So, yeah, long time, but we've kept in touch. And Rafaela continues to do amazing work as a photographer and uh, uh, with traveling and tourism, as well as uh, food photography. So today with Rafaela, um, we would like to tackle a difficult theme, but one that is very important. And uh, Rafaela was brave enough to suggest it, and I, uh, I'm embracing it. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> the theme is obviously the pandemic that we find ourselves in. Uh, the title would be Dining Out and Traveling During a Pandemic, or we should say as much as a pandemic allows us to safely. Um, certainly we can say that every country these days has experienced some kind of lockdown, whether partial or more generalized. And that's changed everything, uh, has changed our habits um, very deeply. So in times of partial lockdown, we have uh, still some ability to to do certain things, um, as long as obviously we do it safely and follow the regulations that the various countries are putting in place. But in doing this, are there some best practices? Is there a way to do this, not only more safely, but also trying to help the businesses uh, stay in business? Because we all know this is very challenging for a lot of people. So that's the premise. (laughs) Not an easy one. (laughs) But uh, I would like to start by just a, a general consideration that I think uh, a lot of people would uh, be familiar with. I've been eating at home a lot more these days. Uh, I used to dine out quite a bit. I'm guilty of that. I enjoy that. It's my <laughs> form of entertainment, really. I, I don't do anything. It is. It's an experience. <laughs> it it's not just about getting food in there. Yeah, exactly. It's fun. It's an experience. I love food. I love tasting things. I love cooking, but um, I also love to eat what other people cook, obviously. And... Um, now, I've been dining at home a lot more, almost 100% of the time, really. And uh, so this has forced me to increase my rotation of dishes. So I eat more various things. I used to like some some restaurants, uh, like especially non-Italian restaurants. And now I'm venturing myself to cook non-Italian food more because mm-hmm. I crave that and I try to make it now. And I think also because I do a lot of online ordering for ingredients, I kind of force myself to think about uh, what I'm going to cook ahead of time. So plan, plan more. Not not just, you know, go Italian way to the Mercato, <laughs> which we have in Guildford here in the, in the UK. A nice one, actually, uh, for vegetables and fruit and see what's in season. And that's my favorite way of doing it. But now that I'm forced to plan more, it also gives me the opportunity to, um, you know, plan dishes that don't spontaneously come to me so uh, a little bit more mm-hmm. complex or they require a little bit of uh, you know special ingredients that I won't stumble upon and uh, this is possible because obviously I have a bit more time to because uh, I'm working from home like a lot of people I know these days are smart working is called <laughs> in Italy uh, they call it smart working I, I don't call it smart working here to me it's trying our best to <laughs> still uh, 
<laughs> still do something useful. But um, anyway, smart or not, I work from home and um, and therefore, you know, I don't have to commute. I have a bit more time. So it helps. I can also go and stir the soup while I'm in, <laughs> in a call. <cold>, really. Yes. <laughs> There's a lot of things that, that I can do now. What about you, Rafael? I spoke a lot. Um, I mean, for me, it's been a little bit different in a couple of ways. One, because I didn't eat out a whole lot before um, because I do enjoy cooking so much. Mm-hmm. And also as far as, you know, ordering things in larger amounts where I live, I live kind of in the deeper suburbs of Atlanta. So that's a little bit trickier. Um, you you can order things for pickup, but you still have to go get it to the Publix or the Kroger or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it first started, I did try to go buy more things in bulk. So I was just sort of minimizing my time out and about. Um, but now I say I'd, I'd say I probably go to the grocery store every week mm-hmm. um, because things are a little bit more open here than in some other places. And so if I'm out, you know, going to the gym and then the grocery store is right next door, um, and of course, you know, you still go in, you wear the mask and, you know, we wipe everything down when we get home with it, just as an abundance of caution. It's a little thing that doesn't take a whole lot of extra time. Um, I don't really work from home, so that's not really an option for yeah, me, but course, I, do, yeah. I do make my food to take with me mm-hmm. um, because otherwise I would go broke and probably, you know, undo all my hard work in the gym if I ate all my <laughs> meals ordered out from Uber Eats or whatever. Right. Um, so for me, it's a little bit different. I have tried to make myself experiment more because like you, it's easy to fall back on something familiar like cooking Italian food because yeah. it's also Easier. comforting and mm-hmm. easy. Um, so I do try to incorporate things that I see, um, even just flavors, maybe not techniques. I'm not going to pretend that I know anything that I make that I call, let's say, Indian or yeah, any I type know. of Asian <laughs> or anything like I'm, I'm sure I don't know what I'm doing, but the flavors <laughs> yeah. are enjoyable from the times that I have gone out to those places. Mm-hmm. So I'll pick up like an interesting sauce or an interesting spice mix. And even if I'm just doing that on roasted chicken and vegetables, at least it's a different flavor, which kind of, you know, helps <laughs> you feel like you're not in the same routine and not in a rut. Um, I have gone out to eat a little bit, but I've been really selective about it um, mm-hmm. because I do want to support the restaurant community, because that's been such a big part of my life, even as a kid, because my father was a chef growing up. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the restaurants, the people that work in them, all the businesses attached to them, um, you know, they're all doing the best that they can to balance what you have to do with what's going on with needing to keep the business going. Let's jump right in into uh, the type of things that maybe we can do to um, support the businesses while also maybe mm-hmm. being a little bit safer. So uh, one suggestion mm-hmm. you had, which I, th- I thought it was very thoughtful, is uh, think about off days, not just the Saturday night or the Sunday night. Now that we eat out less, we may be thinking, well, I'm going to just make my Saturday a little bit special because, you know, after mm-hmm. a week, uh, maybe locked in, um, let's do something to make it sound like it's a weekend. But at the same time, that poses a big problem because for one thing, you know, you're crowding a place, uh, which is probably already crowded. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's certainly a certain effort that the restaurateur has to put in 
to support staff only on peak days so that, you know, that mm -hmm. uneven balance uh, workload uh, is not easy to handle. So your suggestion of that was to say, well, maybe we should go on Tuesday. Why not? I Yeah, that, for me, that's kind of almost always been my thinking because, you know, after a lot of years in restaurants too, when you're typically working on a Friday or a Saturday, you tend to go out on a Monday or Tuesday or a Wednesday. And I actually always really enjoy right. that anyway, because it is less crowded. It is, you know, a little bit more of a relaxed experience unless you're going somewhere specifically for a scene, mm -hmm. um, you know, which isn't really my style. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, sure. But, you know, you get, I feel like, fewer opportunities for mistakes. You typically get, in my experience, you know, a little bit more attentive service because the server's maybe not overwhelmed with that, just mm -hmm. that Saturday night crush, which can really, you know, it can really run you. And same thing with the kitchen, you know, they're able to maybe take a little bit of time and you never know, you might get to talk to the chef or, you know, really kind right, of add yeah. to your experience and make it more personalized. And I also see it as, aside from, being conscious of how many people are in a space, which here, you know, a lot of restaurants are reducing their capacity and recommending reservations so that they can spread people out and also not disappoint people. And, you know, if somebody walks in and they didn't make a reservation and, oh, you know, we need you to wait or we can't do it tonight. Mm -hmm. um, but on top of that, I feel like if people are thinking more as much as they're able to, if they are wanting to go out and they are comfortable with it and it fits in with, you know, wherever they live, recommendations or rules as it may apply. Mm -hmm, right. I think that the restaurants can do more business that way because instead of kind of everybody trying to cram in there on just a Friday, Saturday, if you spread that out over several more days, the restaurant can actually serve more people, serve them better and serve them ultimately more safely because they are able to keep them spread out. They don't need as much staff on. So there's also not as many staff in the building. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of just like a trickle effect that sort of works out really well for everybody until, you know, such time as this isn't the primary concern for all of us when going out in public. Right, of course. Um, but yeah, that's great. Also, you've said uh, maybe off-peak uh, hours could be um, a yes. strategy. Yes. I mean, and here that would be peak dining hours would typically between seven and eight or the most common times for a reservation mm -hmm. or if you were going to go and sit down at the table. And of course that's going to vary too. So maybe getting in there at six, if that fits your schedule or going in there at nine, if that fits your schedule. Um, so I think strategies combined with um, the strategy of picking, you know, the less common days, you know, or even if it's a restaurant that does lunch and dinner, maybe going for lunch instead of dinner, because especially yeah. in more upscale restaurants, Lunch isn't usually as busy, except maybe on the weekends, but, um, mm -hmm. and, and that's a bit dependent on the specific area, but, you know, just all those little ways, like, you know, that you can think that will help them because I think all of us want to see these smaller, more independent restaurants make it through as well. And so they're going to need a team effort to make mm -hmm. that happen. If we don't want to just be left with very sparse options or chain options, um, which for anybody who's hard into food is sort of a special kind of torture. Yeah. <laughs> um, to you know, so those things that really make each community and neighborhood and city special are those smaller yeah. independent restaurants, you know, or we're the one small groups that own just a few, that kind of thing. And so, you know, it is kind of that community coming together to help support it. 
also going to pick up your to-go food instead of using a service like Uber Eats or Grubhub because they take such a big chunk of the money. Mm, right. Yeah, of course. And mm-hmm. so, you know, and a lot of restaurants can't hire somebody to, to do delivery. So if you're at all able and comfortable to go pick up food, then that may be a great option to help support your local restaurants if you're just not comfortable dining out or if it's just not something you're really able to do. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Um, at the same time, now we can cross into traveling because if you if you do um, have the necessity or the ability to travel, this is really a good time to, to travel to places that are not uh, your usual hot spots. Um, mm-hmm. Finding lesser known, uh, equally beautiful, I'm sure, uh, location, destinations, it's a really smart thing to do, I think. Um, I agree, you know, like, you know, it, there's a lot within driving distance of Atlanta. So you're not, you know, using public transportation, you're not flying. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, trains aren't really a thing here, sadly. But at this point, um, it's probably, you know, best to get in your car. And there are a lot of, like, cute little downtown areas that even if you're not, like, going into a lot of shops, you know, you can be really judicious about it and just kind of see what's in your own backyard and I'm sure that's true in almost any place. I've, I've seen a lot of people comment in some of the travel groups that I'm in. They're like, oh, you know, I've actually started paying attention to what's close around me. And then they're in countries all over. They're in Norway and Pakistan and Mexico and, mm-hmm. of course, in the U.S. And, and, you know, we kind of forget and take for granted what's right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so trying to look at it in a new way, and especially if it's anything that you can do outdoors, it's not around a lot of people. Um, is a great way to do that. And you never know when you might run across that little shop in the middle of nowhere that could really use that little extra something and then you can go in and maybe buy something, you know, and that's always nice too. And goes back to kind of helping everybody get through it. Right, exactly. And, you know, this uh, move towards nature um, comes to rescue, like definitely a safer option. Um, if you happen to be visiting a region, an area, uh, you may be obviously attracted by the big cities. Um, I'm a big city lover. I love museums. I love the architecture, the whole planning of the city. I'm just fascinated with all mm-hmm. those things. Uh, so, you know, for me, a big attraction is, is a big city. But now, you know, if I have a choice to go to this National Trust garden, um, I would definitely uh, choose the park. So that's, again, um, you know, trying to to spread out uh, a little bit more and not just be focused on uh, the most attractive things, just to limit crowding, right? Yeah, I think that's a good strategy. Definitely. Um, and it's kind of interesting or ironic because you were telling me, uh, Rafaela, that um, if there wasn't a pandemic, you would be in Abruzzo right now. Is that right? Um, well, let's see. It's October. I would have been back by now if it had gone according to sure, plan. Yeah. But I was hoping, planning on heading to Puglia and Abruzzo and spending a few months there um, because I, you know, I always come back to Italy whenever I talk about travel and there are lots of wonderful places in this world, but of course that holds a special spot in my heart. Um, and I, you know, I'm always talking to people about these sort of lesser known areas because a lot of people in Europe are familiar with Puglia or as it's called Apulia, um, (laughs) in the anglicized version. Um, 
you know, most Americans have never heard of Puglia. They're like, oh, yeah. Puglia? <laughs> and, you know, definitely Abruzzo is even lesser known. Yeah. Um, and so I decided to start with those two because Puglia I'm already familiar with. And Abruzzo I've always wanted to go to. And it's very easy to access from some of the other more popular areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and really just, again, lay the groundwork and get to know the areas, not just in the context of like, oh, this town is wonderful or this particular, you know, hike is fantastic. Um, but also creating relationships with, you know, right. tour guides and restaurants and, you know, agriturismi and various places like that. Um, and really working to bring people around to that, especially those that would be going to Italy more than once in their lives. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> because it's so much more than Rome and Florence and Venice. And I think going forward that it might actually be a little bit easier to encourage people to go to these less populated and less touristed areas because the world has been suffering from over tourism and a lot of, you know, in parts of Bali, you know, they closed down an old whole Island in the Philippines. It was Boracay, if I recall correctly, Mm, you know, Barcelona's had a lot of issues. So Venice is uh, uh, at the brink of uh, collapse. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Although if you happen to be in a, in a city of art, of course, this is a very interesting time. And, um, you may actually find yourself into the most magic experience ever. Uh, ironically, mm-hmm. uh, it's surreal maybe, but it's also quite fascinating to be maybe in the group of 10 people that are allowed inside the Coliseum right now. Um, yeah, that's absolutely true. It's a silver lining. It's, it's yeah. been a tough year for everybody, but true. those are one of the opportunities to go. Well, I mean, I try to find the bright side to almost everything as much as I can, because otherwise it's sort of, drags you down and makes it very hard to ever find it again so i think looking for those bright spots is very helpful in all regards not just in the lucky few visiting the coliseum without crowds right now of course yeah and all of this that we are talking about really is about trying to pull through this uh together and Mm -hmm. you know live life um think about there's going to be an after and you know Mm -hmm. don't stop dreaming don't don't stop planning plan a trip it's a good time Yes, I'm still crossing my fingers for next year. <laughs> I'm, exactly. I'm very hopeful. And, you know, it's it's just a lot of it's just changing the order that you might do things like, you know, for a lot of people that maybe had a trip planned to Rome this year and they're not maybe going to want to do it next year. You do you say, OK, well, what's something that maybe fits a little bit better into either what's allowed or what you're comfortable with? Um, and that may be doing trips in your own country or your own region and then maybe saving that big one on the other side of the globe because, you know, it's, we never know what's going to happen from one week to the next, much less six months from now. So it's very difficult to plan something big like that really far out. Um, And, you know, of course there's always the bigger risk of losing money on things. Although Mm -hmm. I find that most companies are being good about offering cancellations uh, just in order to get the bookings sorted. Um, so yeah, kind of maybe think smaller and more locally for just a little while longer and then keep that big far trip in the back of your head. Mm-hmm. Um, do your research, get the information, um, maybe work with an expert in the area so that if in a few months or six months or whatever, things open up more and you're like, oh, I can do that after all, then you can take advantage of that and you're not scrambling because mm-hmm. you didn't do any kind of pre-planning at all so right <laughs> that's kind of where my head's at <laughs> yeah Rafaela it's been a great pleasure talking with you thanks so much for <laughs> giving me the courage to to tackle this topic <laughs> uh, I know I have to address it 
I mean, mine is an audio blog. Mm-hmm. It, it has to be, you know, relevant. And yeah, honestly, yeah. I was a bit afraid of talking about this stuff. It's a difficult subject, and it's, I think it's one we'll be talking about for a number of definitely months. But I mean, it's not, mm. we're not going to wake up on January 1st and everything's like it used to be. So we just have to figure yeah. out the best ways to keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rafaela, thanks again. I'll let you go on with your busy day. Uh, it's been <laughs> a, an immense pleasure. Um, we should do this again and we'll talk about yes. the after perhaps soon. Yes. Hopefully in six months we can have a totally different podcast. <laughs> Certainly. Finger crossed. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.